0: The Answer.
2: Yes, indeed, it is the Bob France Authority. Good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us on AM 1420 The Answer. It's seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Monday, the first, the very first morning of the tenth month of the year of our Lord, 2018. We've got a very very important show to uh, present to you today and some very important conversations to have with you today. And I invite you to join us when you are ready to dial at 216 216-9010945 or triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Either one of those numbers gets you into the program. You may also tweet to me if you like. I'm not a fan of Twitter, but I do use it as necessary to combat propaganda and lies from the American left. And I'm on Twitter at Radio Done Right, Radio Done Right, Facebook, same story. Uh, but the, uh, uh handle is france radio the page is france f-r-a-n-t-z radio so they make sure you make comments on what we're talking about on the social media side and here on the air coming up in a half an hour at about nine we're going to be speaking with dave zanotti uh dave zanotti is our good friend from the american policy roundtable he is the president of that outstanding organization also the public square broadcast uh also ivoters.com rob Walgate, uh his uh, partner in uh, a lot of these endeavors i'm hoping to speak with rob as well i literally was just confirming the uh conversation here just in the last several minutes uh, with Dave Zanotti and hopefully Rob Walgate as well. At least Dave, hopefully Dave and Rob will be joining us to react to the latest developments in the Brett Kavanaugh case. Obviously, we saw what happened on uh, Friday. We know that Jeff Flake was a yes. Then he became a, uh, well, maybe yes. Let's wait and see what an FBI investigation would turn up. And away we go. Donald Trump, Went ahead and asked for the FBI investigation, and that's where we sit. Now it's a big question of who is right and who is wrong and who is allowed to ask which questions of which witnesses and dig into what evidence and so on and so forth. The White House has said there is a limit on the scope and scale of the investigation. Number one, it cannot take more than a week. And number two, let's keep this investigation on matters relating to the allegations of sexual misconduct against Brett Kavanaugh phony, fraudulent, lying allegations, though they may be, uh, those are what are, what the, uh, the investigation is going to focus on. So uh, we're going to talk to uh, Dave Zanotti about that uh, coming up at about 9.35. Then at 10.05, Dr. Everett Piper returns to Cleveland, at least by way of a f- telephone. Dr. Piper, the president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University, is going to be joining us. He's also the author of Not a Daycare. And he's going to be joining us to talk about Salem, because that's exactly what this is. This is. He sent me a note a couple of days ago uh, about you know making the comparison to uh, to 17th century Salem, and this is exactly what it is. If a man is accused of being a witch in 2018, then he's a witch. It's just that simple. Salem, otherwise known as the United States Senate Democrats and our nation's media, will fi- will bind him, throw him into the deep. If he drowns, he's a witch. If he floats, he's a witch. Either way, he's a witch. All because a drunken teenage girl 36 years ago said so 30 years, or excuse me, just six years ago, 30 years after the fact. Uh, That's what this is, and we're going to talk to... uh, uh uh Dr. Piper about that at 1005 today. So I've got a couple of good guests, but I have a lot of opportunities for you to dial the program 216 and triple eight two eight one eleven ten. 281 1110 So there's so many different um layers to this. I I, I want to share a little bit from uh, uh with you from uh some some people whose judgment that I trust. As this investigation, this FBI investigation gets underway, and it has actually gotten underway already, but as this thing moves through the process, something that simply, and I suppose I should say this even though it should go without saying, right? An FBI investigation put together by the same FBI that already investigated, and if any of these allegations are true, missed... All of these things that Brett Kavanaugh has done wrong in his life. This FBI investigation should not be worth whatever role of Charmin that it's going to be written on. Right? I mean, I just want you to think about this for a second. The left knows that Brett Kavanaugh has gone through six. Count them. Not one, not two, not three not four, not even five, but six different FBI investigations into his background, into his life, into his character, into his work history, into his school years. All of the background information that is possibly available on Brett Kavanaugh has been uncovered in six FBI investigations. If they conducted six investigations and missed all of the parts about him being a sexual abuser, sexual molester, uh, serial exposer of himself in college, and then, yes, of course, the man who directed and ran gang rape ring, a gang rape ring at several parties in the 1980s. If the FBI missed all of that, then why would this FBI investigation mean anything? That means they clearly can't find anything. They are clearly inept at their jobs, and the report should be written on a roll of, of Quilted Northern. Uh, So it's just so stupid that the left wants an investigation by the same agency that has already cleared him six different times for access to the highest level government information by way of his work at the White House. And then, of course, as an appellate judge, it's just it makes no sense whatsoever for them to demand this investigation, which is why we know what it is and has always been has been a delay tactic. That's all this is about, and we say, I've said it about a billion times on this program. It's about delay, 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 delay. We know the investigation isn't going to turn up anything, because if there was anything to be turned up, they would have gotten him already. So we know this, but we have to have another week. We have to have another week after that, too. And, of course, that has been the moving the goalpost methodology of, of the left and since this whole thing began. Move the goalposts demand an FBI investigation okay we got an investigation it's gonna be one week oh now demand that that one week is not enough we've got to go here there and everywhere and we're gonna we want to subpoena the the employment records of potential witnesses in this case and all of these other different things drag it out drag it out see what else we can turn up in the meantime as long as we have them investigating and the Senate not voting That means we have time to turn up more trashy allegations committed by or uh, alleged by trashy people. And that's what this is. But as I started to say, I wanted to share some information with you from uh, people that I trust. Uh, There was a tremendous op-ed that I read written by Alan Dershowitz, the uh, professor emeritus at Harvard Law School, the author of The Case Against Impeaching Trump, the lifelong liberal Democrat law professor, and noted attorney. He is, however, in recent years, um, it would appear, moving a lot more towards the center, or at least is a lot more judicious in his evaluation of certain situations by way of left and right ideology. This is no mere job interview, writes Alan Dershowitz. Until Judge Brett Kavanaugh was accused of horrible crimes, sex assault, lewd conduct, and even gang rape, his confirmation hearings could fairly, if not entirely accurately, be discharacterized as a job interview. The burden was on him to demonstrate his stabi- suitability to serve on the Supreme Court. He apparently met the burden in the eyes of a majority, a partisan one to be sure, and seemed on his way to getting the job. But now everything has changed. So should the burden of persuasion. The behavior of which Judge Kavanaugh has been accused is so serious and devastating that it requires a high level of proof before forming the basis for his rejection. There is an enormous and dispositive difference between a candidate's rejection on ideological grounds, as was the case with Robert Bork, with, and rejection on the ground that he has committed crimes warranting lifetime imprisonment rather than a lifetime appointment. Being on the Supreme Court is a privilege, not a right, but being disqualified based on a false al- a- accusation of a crime could be a violation of the fundamental right to fairness. Some will argue with the or that the issue of Judge Kavanaugh's ideological and professional qualifications should be merged with sexual allegations and that doubts should be resolved against a lifetime appointment. I'm going to stop there for a second and point to obviously Maisie Hirono. Maisie Hirono is the wildly I'm just going to, to be gentle, say out there, Senator from Hawaii. And Maisie Hirono continues to argue against Brett Kavanaugh's fitness for the bench, not based on what he may or may not have done, based on this ridiculous last second. Um, Hail Mary accusation of gang rape and attempted sexual assault and uh, sexual uh, imposition and all of of these other things, she continues to suggest that Brett Kavanaugh shouldn't be believed and thus should not be appointed because she doesn't like his politics, because he's a conservative, because he is um, conservative-minded in in his ideology. He is therefore not uh, fit to be on the bench. This is just the fun. If, can you imagine for just one second, can you imagine if Republicans on the Senate Judiciary Committee during the Obama administration and during the appointments of Elena uh, Kagan and Sonia Sotomayor had said their liberalism is just too much? Just the way they approach their cases from a liberal point of view is too much, so we can't support them. And then if it looked like they didn't have the votes anyway, then just alleged something wild, something crazy, something completely stupid and completely unbelievable. Something that would be the inverse because they're women of the gang rape allegation being thrown at Brett Kavanaugh. You know, I, I, you know, and I don't want to say disgusting things on the radio. I was about to give an example of something they could have said about them, But, but it would have destroyed them. It would have destroyed the Republican Party had they used such incredibly lowbrow tactics to try to stop the appointment of two qualified candidates, even though, by the way, their liberal activism from the bench is something that is of great concern. But they were qualified, and the Senate's job is to advise and consent on qualifications of the nominees, not their ideology. But if the Republicans had done such a thing and taken such a terrible, low, uh, lowbrow approach to this whole thing and made wild accusations absent any corroboration, any evidence, anything at all, it would have destroyed them as a party. Well, what I want to know is, how can this not destroy the Democrats at the party of uh, the Democratic Party? How can it not destroy them as a party? It absolutely must. Alan Dershowitz, Dershowitz continues, but I'm going to take a time out here and check our traffic, and then I'll come back and give you a little bit more about this, but about what would happen if Brett Kavanaugh is denied his appointment to the court by these wild, radical, insane, clearly false allegations against Brett Kavanaugh. The uh, We're going to talk about what happens if he is denied this, but we're also going to talk about Christine Blase Ford because the more I went back over the weekend and watched more of her Thursday testimony the more I became convinced of something that a lot of other people are not convinced of I'll tell you what that is coming up right here on AM 1420 The Answer I'll uh, continue with Alan Dershowitz here, who wrote a tremendous op-ed this morning called This Is No Mere Job Interview. Uh, and then I'll tell you what I have kind of come to the realization of over the weekend as I listened to Christine Blase Ford's testimony from Thursday a few different times in a few different parts. Um, I'm going to differ with a whole lot of people, almost everybody on this, but, uh, but I'll get there. But back to um, This Is No Mere Job Interview from Alan Dershowitz. It's important. In some cases, it would be a plausible, that would be a plausible argument. But it is too late for that kind of nuanced approach now because these accusations have received worldwide attention. Judge Kavanaugh is on trial for his life. At stake are his career, his family, his legacy, and a reputation earned over many decades as a lawyer and a judge. If he is now denied this appointment, it will be because he has been depicted as a sexual predator who deserves contempt, derision, and possible imprisonment. He may no longer be able to teach law, coach sports, or expect to be treated respectfully. He could be forced to resign his current judicial position because having a convicted rapist on the bench is unseemly. We'll use convicted in air quotes, by the way, does Alan Dershowitz, because means convicted in a court of law by all of these liberal liars. For these reasons, he now has the right, perhaps not a legal right, but a right based on fundamental fairness, to have the charges against him put to the test of a clear and convincing evidence or some standard close to that. The court of public opinion is different from a court of law, but it, is, it, too, is an important court. Wouldn't anyone rather be convicted in a court of law of drunken driving, also a serious crime, than convicted in the court of public opinion of being a serial sex predator? Many would rather go to prison for a year on a drunk driving charge than be labeled a sexual predator for life. In a nation dedicated to fairness and due process, explicit constitutional rights often serve as a metaphor and guide in the kind of basic fairness we, com- we demand in even uh, non-legal proceedings. That model should operate here as well. Had Judge Kavanaugh been rejected on ideological or professorial grounds before these uh, sordid accusations were leveled, he could go back to his life, as Robert Bork did. But if the Senate fails to confirm him now, his life will never be the same. I'll pause here, because this is exactly the core of this. This isn't just a job interview. This isn't just about the job. And I'll go back to Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas, in his 1991 uh, confirmation hearings and in his very impassioned defense of himself, said "This this is not about the Supreme Court job. No job is worth this. The Supreme Court is not worth this. This is now about fighting for my name. This is now about fighting for my life. Not for this job. That's what Dershowitz is saying here. This isn't about just a job interview. If he doesn't get this job, so to speak, his life is over. As he has ever known it, he can't go back to being an appellate court judge. He'll always be viewed as the judge on the bench who couldn't make the Supreme Court because he's a sex predator. I wish, I, and I'm getting off of the op-ed by Dershowitz here, and I did realize that, but I just wish I had a front row seat to watch the demon Democrats, the demonic Democrats who have been so willing to destroy a man's entire life over their insatiable thirst for power and control and the right to continue to murder babies because that's what this is all about. Trying to stop Brett Kavanaugh, trying to stop any conservative nominee from being appointed or being confirmed to that bench, to that to that seat as an associate justice on the court, might threaten Roe v.ersus Wade someday into the distant future. And they can't have it. That's what this is all about. The hundreds of millions of dollars a year in profit for baby-murdering factories, Those things would be in jeopardy. And they are willing to destroy a man's entire existence, his reputation, his name, his family, all to keep the power over that. And I wish I one day had a front row seat to see all of these demonic Democrats, when they are indeed judged by the Lord our God and sent to their rightful place. I wish I had a front row seat to watch them trying to say they were sorry for what they did. Because I do. I think they will be sentenced eternally for what they are doing right now. Some would argue now; uh, would argue that if Judge Kavanaugh is now confirmed in the face of these serious accusations, it will have an equally damaging effect on the life, reputation, and credibility of his accusers. That is false. Even if he is confirmed, those accusers will be treated as heroes by the many people who believe them. It will not have close to the impact on them that a failure to be confirmed would have on Judge Kavanaugh. The best evidence of this is Anita Hill, who has gone on to a distinguished career as an academic, writer, commentator, and feminist. The stakes are simply not ca- comparable. I don't know whether Judge Kavanaugh is guilty, innocent, or somewhere in between, writes Dershowitz. I don't know whether he told the truth, the whole truth, and nothing about the truth. Judge Kavanaugh wouldn't have been my candidate of choice for the Supreme Court. I'm a liberal Democrat who believes Republicans improperly denied Judge Merrick Garland a seat on the high court. But this is no longer about who would make the best Supreme Court justice. It is about the most fundamental issue of fairness in this country. The most fundamental issue of fairness this country has faced since the McCarthy era, when innocent people were accused of trying to overthrow the government and had their lives ruined based on false accusations, while being denied all semblance of due process and fairness. The ACLU stood strong against McCarthyism by demanding due process and hard evidence. But the ACLU now argues that unresolved questions regarding credible allegations of sexual assault be resolved against the accused nominee, Judge Kavanaugh. We've come a long way since McCarthyism, but we now live in an age that risks a new form of sexual McCarthyism. We must not go to that even darker place the best way of assuring that we don't is to accord every person, regardless of his status, the kind of fundamental fairness we would expect of our, for ourselves if we were the accused. That's Alan Dershowitz, liberal Democrat, lawyer, and law professor, arguing on behalf of Judge Brett Kavanaugh. Dr. Everett Piper is the president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University and the author of Not a Daycare, and he joins us next to analyze on AM 1420 The Answer. Please.
0: Social justice warriors, if you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer.
2: 935. Now the Bob France Authority continues on AM 1420. The answer. The, um, the. FBI investigation is underway. They are already reaching out to at least the first two of the three accusers of Judge Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, obviously, Dr. Uh, Christine Blasey Ford uh, testified in depth on uh, on Thursday. And uh, they have now reached out also to Deborah Ramirez, who <laughs> uh, gave I, – I don't know which of these – is. Uh, it, quite frankly, is the most laughable. Which of these allegations is the most laughable? Uh, because every single one of them uh, lacks the same thing. They lack evidence. They lack corroboration. They lack corroborating witnesses, corroborating evidence. Anything that would even give them a semblance of credibility whatsoever is not there. But this is what the FBI has been tasked with doing, all because of the way the Democrats have handled this entire confirmation process. Well, Lindsey Graham, who became a firebrand uh, with his incredibly impassioned remarks on Thursday during the Kavanaugh hearings, as Judge Kavanaugh testified, is not done. He wants a full investigation into the Democrats' conduct as it pertains to these confirmation hearings and to what they have been trying to do to the life of Judge Brett Kavanaugh.
3: This committee, I hope Senator Grassley, will do what I've suggested. Investigate the abuse here. Who leaked anonymous letters? Who referred uh, Dr. Ford to a lawyer that was a political activist? Did anybody in the committee betray her trust by sending it to to the media so the hearing would be delayed? Why did she not know that we were willing to go to California? How did that
2: happen? He's promising this. He says, uh, obviously, in that soundbite, he hopes uh, uh, that uh, Chuck Grassley will go along with his recommendation. But uh, he is promising a full-scale probe. His words, a wholesale, full-scale investigation of what I think was a despicable process to deter this from ever happening again. He said this yesterday on ABC News this week. All right, joining us now for reaction to everything that uh, has been going on with respect to Judge Kavanaugh and the Senate confirmation process is my friend Dave Zanotti. Dave, of course, is the president and CEO of the American Policy Roundtable and the Public Square Media Network. He's also president of uh, Roundtable Freedom Forum, which is a legislative organization, and of Free Agents PAC, a federal political action committee. Uh, Dave, good to have you back on our program. How are you, sir?
3: Thank you, Bob. I want to congratulate you on a wonderful job you did last week on coverage of this story. We were listening all across the
2: country on talk radio
3: to different stations, and you guys were terrific. Thank you very much for your coverage.
2: Very kind of you to say, Dave. I appreciate that. So, um, you know, I feel like a lot of what we're doing right now is redundancy. Uh, and I, and I regret that. But I also feel like as long as they are going to continue to shout the same scurrilous accusations against a man without any evidence whatsoever, and they're going to continue to paint him as some sort of a serial attempted rapist slash uh, 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 gang rapist uh, and purveyor of sexual misconduct when he was in his college years. as long as they're going to continue to repeat them, I feel like we do need to be redundant in our defense of uh, in our search for truth and accuracy, Dave.
3: Well, that's a very interesting choice of words, Bob, in the search for the truth, because that's really all that we want, is the truth. Because when two people come forward, And each claim with 100% certainty, the exact opposite, both can't be true. That's kind of true in mathematics and logic in life and in the pursuit of justice. Uh, A is not B by its very nature. And she said he did it and he said he didn't, and they're both 100% certain somebody's lying. And I think it is incumbent upon everyone to find out who told the lie. Now, I think one of the interesting things uh, about that is how quickly... These um, champions, these lions for justice on the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee and their, their allies have dropped Dr. Ford. I don't know if you've noticed this, but the new shift that I'm sure you have in the last 72 hours has dropped Dr. Ford like a hot potato and moved to two new claims. And that is, well, three actually, that Kavanaugh is angry, that he's a drunk and that he's a liar. These are the three things now. Now they're moving to the next level of attack. Dr. Ford was their bridge. Ultimately, now it's Kavanaugh's character. And that's all they've been after. anyhow is to be able to influence two Democrats or three or three Republicans, excuse me, three Republicans to say no to Kavanaugh for any set of reasons. So they used up Dr. Ford. They've set her aside. And now they're on to the next journey and they'll keep going until there's a vote. And by the way, They'll go after the vote. They've already announced this. If, in fact, they control the House and the Senate, they will work to impeach Kavanaugh. Now, to be fair, Bob, if Kavanaugh is lying at any level in this process, not only should he not be a Supreme Court justice, he shouldn't be on the federal bench at all if he's lying.
2: Well, you're exactly right, and and you know, of course, that goes to the fact that Judge Kavanaugh has testified for what thirty thirty eight hours, I think, in the original confirmation process under oath, uh, which means he would face penalties of perjury if he is not telling the truth. And of course, he has been under oath in all of his uh, uh, statements in response to the thirteen hundred questions that were uh, that were given to him in written form, more than all other previous Supreme Court nominees combined. He's been under oath with everything that he has said, and he has not wavered. So you're right. About about that Dave what, what I want to hit though to follow up on what you just said is the fact that they have moved the goalpost now now it's not about mm-hmm. proving his his guilt in a um, uh, in a sexual misconduct allegation but hey he was once a drunk hey he was uh, a, a liar and has been a serial liar these things that you're you're talking about now it we don't have so they're saying it's just his general overall character so while they couldn't beat him on the merits after 38 hours of testimony in the confirmation hearings and the, the standard vote that should have happened would have clearly uh, put him into the Supreme Court, so now it's just, let's accuse him of this, and then when we can't prove that, we accuse him of this. So it's twofold. Number one, we're going to keep moving the goalposts so that there's a new reason to not confirm him. And number two, every time we move the goalposts, it also calls for new investigations, which means more time. And all now, of course, the goal is to get through the month of October. They survived September without uh, getting him uh, confirmed. If they can get through October, now we only have one week to go until uh, the people decide who runs this show in on November 6th, and that's the delay tactic that i think has been their their goal all along uh dave zanotti
3: well what's interesting uh, is that the voting in many states will begin this week and so they've already accomplished by reaching into the early voting sectors they've already accomplished their goal which is to drag this controversy into uh, this election to attempt to uh incite a gender gap and to pit men against women and to basically be able to turn votes in this election so that they could control the house and the senate it's purely political. Everybody can see that. And and the reason that you know this to be true is not because I'm a, I'm a Democrat or a Republican, because I'm not. I'm an independent. And by the I way, know. America could survive just fine without Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, we don't need Brett Kavanaugh. In fact, if I had been president of the United States, I wouldn't have appointed anybody. I think we should have seven justices, not nine. I think the court's too important. I think we should just go ahead and let it by natural attrition go back to seven, and get a Congress that has a spine that will make the laws instead of counting on the court. That's the way we started. Maybe we go back to six, which is what George Washington started us with. I don't care about Brett Kavanaugh in the sense of the fact that he's going to save this country or make an impotent. No, he's just one more of 3,000 Article Three lifetime-appointed federal judges. And to listen to all these people say, well, he's applying for a lifetime appointment, he's already got one. He's already got one. So so the, the inconsistencies about this continue to rage, not the least of which, Bob, is this one. They're now attacking uh, uh, Brett Kavanaugh as a drunk, but they laughed when Ginsburg showed up at the last day of the Union address and fell over as a, a, a stead stone asleep because she was drunk. They laughed about that.
2: Um, Dave Zanotti is our guest, again, President and CEO of the American Policy Roundtable and the Public Square uh, Media uh, Network. Um, you know, you're right. Obviously, this country isn't going to live or die based on whether or not Brett Kavanaugh gets gets confirmed. But I, I, I do think his confirmation is important to the future of this country uh, because of the process, because this this can't be allowed. Exactly. This cannot be allowed to to be rewarded. This type of despicable behavior these you know D- Diane Feinstein sitting on this letter that she has had for 7 weeks um her her taking it public only after they couldn't beat uh Kavanaugh and stop his confirmation on simply his merits as a judge Um, for her to play it the way she did and for them to do what they're doing now to destroy this man's life, you're right. If Brett Kavanaugh's life is destroyed, the country based upon that will not suffer any great in any great way. But once we know that, you know, that, that, that the new standard has been established, that all you have to do is make scurrilous, phony, uncorroborated, uh, non-credible allegations to destroy a person's life and then get political benefit from it, I think the nation will be harmed. I really do if Brett Kavanaugh is not seated and if the Democrats do not pay a serious political price for their behavior in all of this.
3: Well, you're, you're, I could not agree with you more, Bob. And, and I think the point that you're making is very well taken. Um, after the McCarthy hearings, a playwright named Arthur Miller wrote a play which was highly rewarded called The Crucible. Uh, it, it's a, a, a loose and often inaccurate historical retelling of the Salem witch trials, so the history isn't right. But the point is, what happens when a society moves in a judicial process to mob rule, when accusation enough alone is enough to convict? You know, we have a tradition that goes the whole way back to the Hebrew, the ancient Hebrew republic and the writings of Moses, that a person cannot be convicted upon the testimony of a single person, that it must be corroborating evidence that the presumption of innocence goes back to not just the founding of this republic, but to the literal founding of Western culture. And what the Senate showed last week is that we have a whole new brand, some young and some old, who are willing in the Senate, and and at this case, we find them to be exclusively Republican, but all progressives, including Flake, who's, who's a progressive and a Republican, The progressive mindset is that justice is found in the sentiment of the powerful backed by public opinion polls, not upon the rule of law. And that's what's on trial here is justice in the process, because what they do to Brett Kavanaugh, they could do to you and me and everyone listening to us today. The powerful can change the rules and convict of guilt based on opinion, not based on fact, evidence and corroborating evidence. And they're basically abolishing one of the bedrock reasons America exists, which is the concept of the presumption of innocence. And 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 without that, we lose everything in our system of law. And these people are willing to trash it for political gain. That's what's on display with Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation Dave,
2: here. Dave, how do we do this going forward then? Because you know, I. I... We're talking to Dave Zanotti, uh, President CEO of the American Policy Roundtable, the Ohio Roundtable, uh, the Public Square Media Network. Um, we obviously have in this country, and must uh, the presumption of innocence when it comes to courts of law, as has been pointed out many times by the Democrats. We're not in a court of law, so we don't have to give him that. This they is lie the court. I, I, go ahead. The,
3: the Senate has judicial. The Senate has constitutional judicial authority, and they are a court of law for impeachment. And what you saw was the beginning of the impeachment proceedings. Every piece of that evidence could be used in a judicial uh, a hearing in the Senate. So they do have judicial authority. Good, it, that wasn't point. a job interview.
2: That Sorry that's a right. great point. No, 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 I'm glad you did. That's a great point. So technically, it is a court of law. Not in the in the fact You're that, right, that it is. right. Okay. But, so we have presumption of innocence, we must have presumption of innocence, but because of the Me Too movement, we also have, according to essentially public opinion, we have the responsibility to give presumption of truth to any accuser. They can't, we can't accuse them of lying. We can't even question whether or not they're lying. We can't question their character. We can't look into their background. We do any of those things, we are accused of victim shaming or victim blaming. And this is why women don't come forward after being assaulted. So we have to, by 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 popular opinion now, we have to believe every accuser. Even that's a hashtag, believe women, hashtag believe survivors. Well, we have to determine if they are indeed a survivor of some terrible episode before we can believe them, right? But so so we have this fundamental conflict here. We have to give, we, we're supposed to anyway, give the presumption of innocence to the accused, but we have to also give the presumption of believing the the accuser, so uh, how do we how do we reconcile this going forward dave i i know it's an impossible question to answer but that's what we're oh
3: no not at all not okay and so well posited that it's easy to answer because what you've really come back to is the premise of our nation we hold these truths to be self-evident what we saw actually during these hearings was, an ex, uh, was a, a display of how the progressive world has moved from a world that understood philosophically the notion of objective, discernible, and knowable truth versus the relativistic world, which we started in the 1900s with Woodrow Wilson and, and all the progressives have decided to close the universe off, and truth is whatever we make it up to be. So we can say she has her truth. That very notion is as alien to Western justice as any idea can be.
2: Exactly. Truth
3: in our culture has always been objective, a discernible, and knowable, but we don't invent the truth. We discover it. Truth, by its very nature, is above us. It is transcendent. It is not something that you invent or can reinvent. It is And if there are not such things as self-evident truths, then there's no premise for America to base itself upon. And that's what you saw. You saw total chaos because when everybody gets to invent their version of the truth, then there is no truth until we get to the place where the most powerful people in the room decide to call the vote and then they win.
2: And, and the and question then becomes: the question then becomes without having that truth as 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 we know truth to be as she has her truth as and that's that's one of the things that's been driving me crazy. You know, Doctor Ford's truth is that she, this really happened to her, and she's convinced in him. And others are saying, "I really believe her truth. I really believe something happened to her. She's just mistaken in the identity of the culprit, and so on and so forth." I, I don't understand that. There can't be her truth and his truth. There is just the truth. And and that, that is obviously no what is sometimes very Americans
3: elusive. Right, exactly. You couldn't be more correct, Bob. Look, when the FBI gets done with this investigation, I hope they find Hoffa's body and what's in Capone's vault. Because if they can find the house where this event allegedly took place, they'll probably be finding Hoffa right after that. It, it, yeah. it, you can't have it both ways.
2: You're exactly right, Dave. I'm so glad you came on to share this with us, Dave. And uh, and I'm going to share your, uh, your 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 mini op-ed on this as well that's on the uh, uh, American Policy Roundtable website right now because it's well worth reading. And I thank you so much for coming on today. We'll talk again very soon.
3: Thank you, Bob. I appreciate everything that you do. Thank you. For th- for
2: th- thank you, today. Dave. Dave Zanotti. Thank you, Dave. Dave Zanotti is the president and CEO of the American Policy Roundtable, also the Ohio Roundtable and the uh, public uh, public square, rather, Um Uh, media network all right we'll get a time out here check our traffic come back and talk a little bit more before the top of the hour after the top i think i mistakenly teased dr everett piper for this last segment but i am accurate in telling you he is coming up in the next segment after the top of the hour so stay right here on am 1420 the answer up here in this last short segment of the hour with um, something that I wish I hadn't seen uh, uh, on Friday. I posted it on my uh, Facebook page, which is France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, even though it came from Twitter. There is a uh, woman, a young woman, named Emily Linden, who tweeted this back in November of last year about 11 months ago, November 21st of 2017. She tweeted something that, well, let's just say that the tweet hasn't aged well, yet it has proven to be very prescient. Um, this is exactly what's happening today. I found this, and I re, like I said, I posted it just to show everybody what we are in the midst of right now and how dangerous this is. I bring this up in response to Dave Zanotti, as we talked about, um, you know, people's lives being destroyed. And I talked about how Brett Kavanaugh's life being destroyed is a lot bigger picture than just Brett Kavanaugh. It's 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 a, it's, it, it, it has a great deal of influence, in my opinion. The destruction of Brett Kavanaugh will have a great deal of influence in how this country is run going forward. And I think because he is a man, as Dave talked about this at, in some depth, uh, because he's a man... He's a white man, and he's been accused of these things. Um, you have to believe the accuser in large part because of, of his his you know his demographic makeup. Um, but I think not only is our country going forward going to be impacted by this, but our culture and our society. And this is what the young woman tweeted. Now she is a writer for Teen Vogue, so you know she's she's not exactly what one would call influential to. Uh, those a little more experienced and educated, but understand that Teen Vogue is read by millions of teenagers. And she is very influential to them. So when she tweeted this last November and, and, and I it was brought back to the surface this weekend here in twenty eighteen, I think that's an that's evidence of what we're talking about. Here's her tweet. It's very short. Very short. One sentence. Emily Linden from Teen Vogue tweeted, quote, Sorry, I guess it's two sentences because she had sorry, period. Sorry, if some innocent men's reputations have to take a hit in the process of undoing the patriarchy, that is a price I am absolutely willing to pay, end quote. Now, I'll spare you from the obvious analysis uh she's not paying a price she's saying men 's reputations innocent men have, they, if their reputations have to take a hit, it's a price she's willing to pay well, number one, she's not a man she's not paying anything I'll spare you any in-depth analysis of that. Just point it point out the obvious. but the suggestion that the patriarchy, in other words men masculinity is what is wrong with this country, and if it means innocent people have to go down in order to take their power away, the power of the patriarchy, that's what women are willing to do. The fact that this had at the time over 1,236 likes, that's back as of a year ago. Lord knows what it is today in this new Me Too movement era. And, of course, during the Brett Kavanaugh hearings. Lord knows how many other women feel the same way. Emily Linden, Teen Vogue writer, channeling Maisie Hirono, U.S. Senator, who told all men to just shut up. We don't have a say anymore. If you think that's problematic, you're right. Dr. Everett Piper joins us next on AM 1420, The Answer.